Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This week's episode is brought to you by Facebook, which has a new podcast called Three and a Half Degrees, The Power of Connection. This podcast brings some of the smartest minds in business together to talk shop, exchange ideas, and share the stories behind their successes and failures. Each episode features two of the smartest people in business today. One of the people you'll hear from in this episode is former Marine Victor Lazama, founder of PC Landing Zone. Hey, I'm thinking about uh, starting my own business. And, she, and you can kind of tell when she pauses and she's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and then she's like, what do you mean? So I go into details and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, starting my own computer repair. I'm pretty good at doing that. You know, I was like, um, you know, our little town has maybe two or three, but nothing big. I was like, um, and she was like, you know, we're pregnant. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was like, I know. Look for three and a half degrees spelled out wherever you get your podcasts or visit Facebook.com slash three and a half degrees to learn more and subscribe. That's three and a half degrees, a new podcast from Facebook. You're listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Ad Week podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner, I'm the creative and innovation editor at Ad Week, and I've uh, got a really fun crowd together today. Uh, Very excited about this episode. Uh, We are going to be talking about, it is Black History Month, and I think on the site we've done a ton of content, uh, and a lot of good discussions have come out of it. I feel like this year there's a certain energy level around uh, Black History Month and, and making it more than just, hey, let's have one conversation in February. And then move on and not have these conversations anymore. And so uh, we definitely want to uh, – I, I see this as kind of starting a lot of conversations that we want to keep going. Uh, we've got a great panel here from Adweek with me. We've got Kamiko McCoy, uh, social editor for Adweek. Kamiko, always great to have you on. Thank you. Social overlord. Yes, I forgot we changed your title after a previous <laughs> podcast. Um, we, Kai Lawson, a uh, co-host of the Mixed Company podcast, which is a fantastic podcast and a – must listen for everyone who's listening to this. Uh, you also have a really fascinating background with agencies uh-huh. and throughout this uh, this space. Kai, tell us about uh, kind of a quick version of your background and then how you started the podcast. Sure. Um, so I am a true advertising career girl. I started as a junior PM, worked my way up throughout uh, that discipline um, at several agencies because, yes, I'm a millennial, and, yes, I require respect and pay, and that's real. But anyway, throughout my career, just I've had the luxury of making a, a pretty good group of friends who happen to go to happy hour often, as we do in the business, and we found ourselves just kind of talking about our shared experiences being only and othered and 
woman and big black man. And one day we just realized, you know what? We don't need to talk to each other about this. This is just preaching to the choir. We need to take our antics to the streets. And by the streets, we met the podcast world. So my co-host, shout out to Karina and Simeon. And I decided to put together Mixed Company where we share our experiences in a very raw and truthful and honest and authentic way. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but the whole point is to say uncomfortable things so that it's no longer uncomfortable. We've also got back Bennett D. Bennett, uh, Adweek Young Influential of what what year? 2017, I think. Yeah, you peaked. Yeah. You peaked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bennett has uh, had, again, a really fascinating career. I met you when you were in uh, agencies working for BBDO New York. Uh, You then went on to The Drum, a marketing publication based overseas, um, but with some operations here. And then uh, tell us kind of what you've been doing since you're you're freelance now, I believe, right? Yeah. So uh, after after that very crazy year trying out journalism and being – the person covering the creative work, took a sabbatical. I was burnt out. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be honest with that on a live platform. Took a couple of months to to reset, figure out what, you know, my agency background as a copywriter plus my time covering media agencies, just about the entire uh, landscape as a whole could do for for my next step. So right now I'm a content strategist and, you know, still doing the copywriting thing, but working with brands and organizations and initiatives, figure out how to tell better stories uh, across platforms and channels. Right. We, you know, Kamiko and I were talking before this about all the different things we could talk about today. And it would be like a nine-hour podcast. Like, this thing would never end. Uh, I'd welcome it. The <laughs> the topic that I am most, and I think the more we talked about, the more we realized it all comes down to some of the most fascinating debates going on right now in terms of diversity in the agency world, in the marketing world, is let's start with the pipeline, mm. the, the, the the glorious pipeline you hear so much about, like when people talk about, oh, we Which have, you never see. Yeah, yes. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's the, the like this this rich, diverse, and wondrous pipeline of talent that every every company is so proud of, but – it's got apparently a very narrow end of that pipeline, uh, and you don't see a lot of people of color, uh, really much diversity at all, getting into the highest ranks, the leadership ranks, uh, really in roles where they can make a difference. Uh, we were joking that, and, and well, I'm sure we'll talk about this, the kind of cliches of the theater of diversity sometimes <laughs> of like you go to someone's leadership page and their company is like white guy, white guy, white guy, and then like the one black person is the diversity uh, yeah. VP or yeah. the HR manager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, or the same person, like that's literally the same role, yeah. of course. Yes. So let's talk about that. About what are what have you seen in the industry in terms of what are the obstacles holding up this pipeline of talent of people who get roles they get into an organization, but then what's keeping them from getting into leadership roles, and what can companies do to really make more opportunities for that? So you're just going to stack all the questions, like, <laughs> all, the, all the life's questions Let's in one solve second. that one first after we get through that. I don't know. My perspective is really weird these days. So the first thing is that I don't necessarily believe, and I'm happy for someone to prove me wrong, that the industry, industry leadership, I think it's important to be very clear about who we're speaking to, the hiring powers that be, whether that's a hiring manager, whether those are discipline leads, whether... 
Those are um, people who um, happily sit in uh, the C-suites at agencies. I don't really think people care about diversity and inclusion. I think they care about being included in the conversation. I think there are a lot of people who um, are very well versed in things that their that their heart may be into. Like maybe like maybe they they mean well, but to actually take action and understand that you have to kind of stand outside of yourself to create a pipeline that is visually diverse, that is skillfully diverse, that is diversity in in uh, any way that you can describe it. I don't think people care to. I think we like going to conferences. I think we like uh, writing op-eds about it. And I think we like having panels about it. Um, but I don't think people are comfortable yet going to places um, outside of their comfort zone to find people that they may not view creativity in the same way and pulling them onto their team to utilize them. Hmm. Uh, I love that take. I love it. I will try to complement that take by saying the pipeline's there. I'm personally a product of that. Being a, a Maple alum, coming from the Ad Color Futures program, you know, two very prominent and well-known uh, industry organizations that, you know, bring in the talent, that sort of, you know, high potential talent to agencies. But it's almost like a relay race, right? You hand off that baton, you, you train all these dope young professionals, give the agencies a whole list of them that they can pick and choose from. And then once agencies get that baton, they don't know what the hell to do with it. And even my hiring at BBDO was through a diversity initiative mm-hmm. when they launched the creative residency. They hired five of us. They plucked me from from my time as an ad color future and a couple of other others and then two high-performing interns at BBDO. They paid us pretty well for, for juniors, and they said, hey, this is not an internship. We will do our best to let everybody know that. There were people who still thought You're still that, a diversity hire. <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I knew that going in, and I was like, well, no one you know, it. I'm going to try my best to make sure that that's not the narrative that continues. Mm-hmm. Through that first year, you work amongst each other. You work with the creatives at the agency, and, uh, you know, you're not working to get a job. You have a job, and you're working to keep a job. And that was the mindset mm-hmm. we came in with. We get through that first year. It's great. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to know everybody. And then after that first year, it's like, what's supposed to happen to us? How do we get integrated in a more natural, organic way to this agency? Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a copywriter without a set art director partner. I don't answer to a creative director. My The person who's in fr- in charge of project management and resourcing isn't putting me on any projects. So a lot of my three years here, you know, thankfully I told myself, you know what, I'm busy, I'm involved with the industry at large, let me do what I can. And, you know, it's gotten me opportunities where I can be a young influential, where I could be, you know, one of the 4,800 people, but, you know, behind the scenes at my day job where I'm, like, making 50k a year like Um, i'm not doing shit not just that but i think that's also part of the the theater that you're speaking about right like the grand finale of the diversity show is showcasing all of the interns and entry-level junior people that you've brought into the agency look at all of the people that we've hired see how colorful they are you see how many women there are you see how many people we've brought in from overseas and it's like that's great and to your point 
and 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 this is me speaking, not not coming from um, a, a rotational program right. or an, or an, uh, a diversity program, but what I see is that people are trained how to fit into a culture, not necessarily the other way around where we, we need to actually train our people how to deal, not deal, how to um, accept people that are creatively different from them or just different from them, period. And I feel like the pipeline, the diversity piece of the pipeline stops at entry level. It doesn't expand or do anything, rather, uh, through through your mid-level. And that's why, and I'm sure we'll get into this, I'll stop, but that's mm-hmm. why we see a lot of people of color peak at uh, at middle management it's because there's no there is no one else watching out for you after you make it through your recital (laughs) it's like your your diversity recital Mm -hmm. you you know you're breeding up a a really good point too about how once people do come in the door because you say like companies will say oh diversity is important to us because we want a diversity of perspectives in our work we want a diversity of of opinions uh, and backgrounds and walks of life but then they bring them in and there is still this kind of attitude like now let us teach you how this world works mm-hmm. versus like now let's make this a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Like we'll teach you like how our processes work. But you teach us like what we should be doing. And you just don't hear about many roles where someone comes in, gets a position like that and then really feels like their bosses are listening to them and making opportunities to like help us because we need the help. Lord knows. I mean agencies need the help. Brands need the help. They should be sitting down with a notepad next to these folks the day they walk in the door and be like, That's what I say. Hey, you know, help me out. Like, is the key, what is it, reverse mentoring? Is it just uh, just coming up with, you know, making sure that managers understand mm-hmm. that this isn't like we're doing them a favor? Because that's exactly how people feel we're doing you. We let you in. That's how a lot of people look at it. We let you in. We gave you this opportunity instead of uh, considering it that I've earned this opportunity and that I've actually busted my ass as hard as everybody else here to get this opportunity. It's a different, it's a diverse pathway into mm-hmm. the into the industry, um, but it, it's just as difficult. And I think to your point about reverse mentorship, you have to, as, a, as any individual, you have to be in a space where you are welcome to learn, where you feel uh, the need to learn something new. And I think we joke about Mad Men and all of the other, uh, I think Boomerang is out now, which actually focuses on um, Black black people in the advertising industry, but there's a it. level of it's actually pretty good. I watched it last night, but there's a level of ego that um, is a part of the culture of this industry, and along with ego, puts us in a place where sometimes people don't feel there's anything else for them to learn that they know everything, and so it's hard to mentor somebody that thinks they know everything. So if I'm bringing in diverse perspective into a room where this has happened countless times for my, for me. If I'm bringing in a diverse perspective, if you're not willing to listen or to hear or to feel what I'm bringing to the table, then you won't. And it's literally just me taking orders and me taking taking your perspective away. Kamiko, I wanted to talk to you about a conversation we were having before the podcast about mentors and about how what makes a good mentor because it's one thing for them to – Say like, yeah, I'll get lunch with you and coffee with you and tell you how I how I carved out this career, uh, but that's not enough. I mean, that's not that's you're not doing them any favors except you know just 
telling them how you kind of waltzed into your leader or how you grinded it out at a completely different time in the industry? What does make a good mentor? What I think about that is that it's um, it's tough to find a good mentor. Um, I come from a media background, journalism background, um, so a little different from advertising. But the things that you guys are saying spill into that same industry that, that I'm in, and you see the kind of the same problems where instead of it's either, A, you have someone that you want them to reach back and give you some mentorship and help you, but that door is very closed. You know, once I've clawed my way up, screw you, not helping. You know, you, you do, it, do it yourself. I did it, you can do it. Or you get somebody who they have good intentions, but it turns out to be just a, let me show you how I did it, and then you mimic it however you can. Um, a good mentor, in my opinion, is somebody who's looking out for you and is giving you a call to action as to how you can carve out that path as well. Um, the mentors that I had were incredible. Shout out to Monica and Lauren and Michelle and other people at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution um, down in Atlanta. Um, the things that they did for me were incredible. Um, I remember I had ideas. I'd maybe been there maybe six months. They actually opened, like forced everybody to hear the idea that I had. It's, hey, I'm amplifying her voice. That's an incredible way to be a mentor to somebody. I don't need lunch every day. I don't need coffee walks with you. Like, no, I need no, you. No, 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 we'll take that. We'll, t- we'll take that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll bring you a to-go box. <laughs> I need you to co-sign projects that I'm working on. I need mm. you to give me clear plan of actions. If I'm stuck behind, you know, the, the boys club, like, and you're inside, behind the on the other side, like, what can you do to get my idea and me and my foot in the door there? It's not just enough to have a quality where, you know, I need, I need equity. Mm-hmm. I need a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to be in the room. I need my voice amplified, my ideas amplified and co-signed and I feel like that's what makes a good mentor. Bennett, what would have kept you from burning out in either of your roles or would have made it to where you felt that it was a rewarding experience with long-term where you wanted to invest yourself long-term? BBDO, like I was the only black copywriter there for a while. Uh Like there weren't any creative directors of color and I remember – like, I always go back to my first week there. You know, we think about how the industry is predicated by, you know, awards. Uh-huh. It's so awards-driven. BBDO is the most awarded agency in the world, and they're not afraid to, to talk about that. Uh-huh. I walk in, everybody's got awards on their desk. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't know what these award shows meant to people until I walked in. I'm like, wow, Can Lions, One Show Pencils. David Lubars has like a whole pyramid of stuff and it's, it's intimidating, you know, and I did my best. I, you know, felt like I spoke to every dope creative director that there was, but I needed those things that you're supposed to walk in the door with as a copywriter, an art director, a team around you that's supposed to support you and people that believe in you enough if you don't have those tools, that they're going to make sure that you have those tools at your disposal as soon as you can. You know, I was lucky that there was a design team that was made up of all visual people who needed a writer for certain projects and new business. I was lucky when I came in that there was a social studio that was that was being built and they just won Bacardi. And my first project was running all of Bacardi and Tequila Casadoras for the first six months of my time there. But like you know, that was because I had to do the extra effort and keep raising my hand and keep, you know, 
spinning my wheels so that people saw that my tall black ass existed. Isn't that crazy? Because y'all don't know Ben is tall. Right. Like, and I'm a very soft-spoken, like, don't let my Twitter feed or anything, like, you know, sway you in, in a direction. I'm very soft-spoken. I'm not necessarily the most direct person, but I do walk up to you. I try to have conversation. I try to make myself known. And I think that's a shared thing for a lot of people. Like, I'm very much an extrovert, but I know introverts deal with that more than I do. Uh And it's tough. It's just, I don't know. Like, I don't think there was necessarily a way that BBDO could have supported me because we've walked up to – like, I remember walking up to Greg Hahn and saying, yo, this is the situation we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. What can you do about it? Oh, just, you know, wait it out, he said. Like, things right. will pan out the way they should. And, you know, it, it speaks to a larger situation in agency culture where, you know, the top-ranked creatives are just like, let things play out the way they should. But it's the award-winning creatives that get the, the brunt of the work. A lot of them get overworked. And a lot of talent that's in between it ends up with opportunities where they just can't see anything, where they can't do anything. And, you know, it, it's led to the talent crisis that we're seeing today, not just with people of color, but in general, mm-hmm. where people are moving to tech and, and publishers and everywhere that, you know, probably will give them a better opportunity to succeed. One thing that that I keep thinking of, even though, I mean, partly because it's Black History Month, and I, th- I think about this every year, but I live in Birmingham, and, and Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail is uh, it was really a defining part of my life growing up, because it, people who have not read it uh, may just think of it as some civil rights kind of write-up. It is a letter to white moderates. Mm-hmm. It, that is, its sole mm-hmm. purpose is, uh, and, and his entire intent, is to basically tell white moderates, you're not helping. And this is, we'll get to my favorite phrase, the uh, well-intentioned, you know, advocates and and, uh, champions. But the, you know, he's basically saying two major things in that that letter. One is stop saying wait, stop saying be patient, because you're not the ones having to endure this garbage. And so, like, you know, you can't just tell us keep waiting. The, and the other thing, you know, that he keeps pointing out is that you guys would rather live comfortably with injustice in the world than to live uncomfortably, you know, in a just world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that sometimes it feels maybe like an overstep to, 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 you know, draw a parallel between the larger civil rights movement and advertising. But this is still like everything in that letter is still 100%. It's not an overstep at all. And I think, I think the perspective that it may be an overstep is if somehow um, these two, these are two separate worlds that are mutually exclusive is why we all, why in general we we all everyone that either works on the periphery of the industry or within the agencies making creative etc. I think that is why we continue to have this conversation. So ironically, I don't know if you guys know, but Bennett and I actually quit around the same time. I had also left my agency from uh, from burnout, from distrust, just like over the bull at the time. Um, and, and I wrote about my experience in, in the industry and essentially all of the things that had uh, that I had endured and experienced since I started that led me to that day in October mm-hmm. to say, I'm good. I need a break. But shout out because, you know, I got bills, so I'm about to go back to work now. But it took five <laughs> months, right? It yeah. took five months. And one of the things that I write about is this idea where I don't think that many people of color are onboarded 
in a way that is conducive to our experiences. And what I mean by that is many of us that are either um, from poorer, poorer families or lower socioeconomic families, uh, immigrant families, um, first-generation American, or just ne- have never had access to an industry like this, we don't know the rules. We don't know the nuances. We don't know the language. We don't know the expectations. All we've ever learned was that in order to succeed, you work hard. But what happens is when we get here, working hard means something very differently. There's a social aspect to it. How I uh, interact with people at different levels is important to understand. No one teaches you that. No one teaches you that creativity is subjective. So you're working hard to do something that maybe if you had the luxury to go to ad school that your teacher or your professor has taught you. And when you get into the real world, you all of a sudden you realize like, oh, that was subjective. That's not necessarily what the, the what the industry is looking for right now. Even office culture and office politics, exactly. these are the things that you're not, you know, you don't you're not privy to. So how you move there and that that leads right to burnout, you know? You're exactly. navigating not only your career but also navigating like how to move with other people so that you are putting the the right foot first so that you appear to to kind of fall in line the way that you're supposed to. Right. And one of the things that I feel like and and not to speak for Bennett or anybody else that has gotten to the point of burnout and feeling othered your entire career, I strongly felt that had I always had a sponsor, like I was lucky in a couple instances to have a sponsor, not just a mentor, but that person that advocates for you when you're not in the room, when they don't have to be in the room for you, when they literally have nothing to do for for you is what kept me at spaces longer than I probably needed to be. Um, and 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 I think that to the point of, you know, Dr. King and speaking to white moderates is that we just have a really different experience and we experience experiences differently. Mm-hmm. So what may have been a joke to you is going to feel very differently to me because right. of what I've experienced in the past. And I feel like that plays into why there's this issue with uh, with many of us feeling uncomfortable in spaces where people are like, just wait it out. They'll get used to you. No, they won't. Because in my experience, no one's ever gotten used to me. Right. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to continue the conversation. Thanks again to the sponsor of this week's episode, Facebook, which has a new podcast called Three and a Half Degrees, The Power of Connection. As we mentioned earlier, each episode of this new podcast features conversations with two of the smartest people in business today. Let's listen to a bit of the newest episode's chat on the power of purpose with the other guest on the show, Jake Wood from Team Rubicon. I was getting out and I, and I thought to myself, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur as, as if like entrepreneur is a job. You know, it's like, no, it's, that's not a job. Like entrepreneurs need an idea. They need a business. They need a concept. And, and I, I guess I, you know, I, I kind of knew that, but I didn't know what it was going to be. Look for three and a half degrees spelled out wherever you get your podcasts or visit facebook.com slash three and a half degrees to learn more and subscribe. That's three and a half degrees, a new podcast from Facebook. You know, let's talk about uncomfortable conversations because that's something that, to me, feels like one of the biggest obstacles is, A, that these are hard conversations to initiate, and it's unfair that entry-level, low-level employees should have to be the ones even starting those uh-huh. conversations. But then also this, you know, this knee-jerk, uh, you know, I'm a white male, so I can say this knee-jerk white male reaction of like, hey, no, I, no, I don't see race. 
right? Like, no, not, no, no. Like, you know, it's like people don't seem to, or people seem to have a hard time and get very sweaty when you point out that someone could not be racist and still be perpetuating a racist Mm -hmm. system or a racist process. Pointing it out makes people immediately, certain people, a lot of people, very sweaty and and weird. Mm -hmm. And they, like, feel attacked. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... I feel bad for folks like you who've been brought into organizations, uh, you know, ostensibly to help modernize them and improve them and diversify them. And yet, if they're not comfortable right. having those conversations, then then it is theater, right? It's total theater. It's it's. I think it plays into this idea that people like to covet a culture, but they don't necessarily want to, like, in, endure and embrace the appropriation. appropriation, but just, like, what that actually means. So... We love to talk about Black History Month. Oh, my gosh, you know, Rosa Parks, God bless her. I'm so happy she stayed on the bus. But nobody, you know, but nobody really wants to talk about, you know, the sit-ins and, like, what that actually meant. Nobody really wants to talk about even, like, the Black Power movement and, like, how that actually changed how Black people were represented in media. Like, that was, like, that directly affects our business or even in the 80s how like you know agencies like uh, Burrell and Uniworld like started to use urban music in commercials which I mean is probably why Sprite is still out here using all your favorite rappers you know how to 16s in their in their commercials now like we don't make those connections because it's just fun. It's fun to dance. It's fun to sing. It's fun to mention a really cool puff, puff Daddy line. But it, it sucks when we have to say, also, in addition to making great music, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you about how I'm uncomfortable when I walk into the office because I don't, because I know you don't see color, because I know you're trying not to see color and I need you to see my color and I need you to see my gender so that you understand who I am so that together we can make more authentic work. Right. Absolutely. But it's really hard to draw that because people have to take blame. So, like, for us, we've known we've known that we were black our whole lives. Like, the moment you left whoever you lived with's house and went to school with children that didn't look like you, the children that did not look, with, look like you made sure to let you know your skin looks like this. Or why are you darker than me? Or how come your hair is different? So we've always known we were different. And I can imagine for for people that may not have had to deal with that ever until they get to adulthood and they're working in industries where they're comfortable and somebody calls out that you are actually different from me and that's affecting my work, that that could make your palms sweat. I feel like a lot of the nervousness to when we talk about the pipeline, like going back to the very first topic is, you know, the organizations see themselves as a pyramid and it's like, oh, you know, got to wait for someone to retire or die or quit uh, before we can make room for another leader. In, in reality, that's not true at all. Like you can and I think we're seeing a lot of companies, including our own, like Adweek is way more flat as an org structure uh, than it ever was in the past. Like we we have really reinterpreted leadership and management. Uh, it's much more of a team thing now. And that's something where a few years ago it was very like you have a top editor and then they have editors answering to them and they have staffers editing them. And now it's like, I mean, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I feel like we've we've just learned <laughs> See, that my like... My experience, we're all on the same level here. <laughs> <laughs> 
the uh, and that, and that's why we're all going to share our salaries with each other. And the, um, but uh, but no, it is something where like we've found ways to open up leadership opportunities for folks without waiting because I've been here you know in some capacity for over a decade and like yeah I don't want to have to quit to make room for someone else but the reality is you don't like mm-hmm. and and so Bennett like maybe you can kind of tackle this idea too we you know we we're joking about the well-intentioned mm-hmm. uh, you know advocate uh, champion you know it's like these folks who like I'm a, I'm a woke executive mm-hmm. you know it's just like I feel like there's been a lot more conversation, and I'm I'm a bit sensitive to it in the fact that I do want to be like a good a good champion. But it reminded me that there was a tweet the other day, and I feel bad I, I don't remember who posted it, where she said, "You don't have to provide a voice to the voiceless; you can just pass the mic." Mm-hmm. And I've like been thinking about that every day since then because it's just like, yeah, it's not about just saying like, "Let me tell everyone." how great diversity is. It's like maybe let you make actual make room for diversity. <laughs> that shit's not hard. It's not hard to just retweet uh, somebody with a different background, with a, with a different perspective or voice. And I think that's probably one of the things that I grapple with uh, in terms of thought leadership that does happen through social platforms, does happen through conferences. And I learned it from you know, covering, covering the media that, you know, there's, there's a lot of dope people who are actually doing the work. You don't always mm-hmm. have to have somebody with a C-suite title mm-hmm. in these interviews. Say that one more time. You do they not, didn't hear you anymore. Like, <laughs> you don't always have to have somebody with a C, C in their title in these interviews. The higher, and it's, it's a natural thing. The higher you go up that, you know, organizational pyramid, the harder it is to see what's going on ground level. Like it's it's physics, it's nature. Like that's that's a thing that happens, and it's fine. And you know, I I feel bad for uh, I gained a lot more respect for the PR industry in particular because a lot of times they're pushed to to have these people in these conversations with with trade journalists, especially. And I'm like, well. Who are the people making the products? Who are the people in the trenches? Yeah, they can be senior leadership and, you know, that's important. But I'm sure there's a woman working on that. I'm sure there's, uh, you know, there's there's a black person or somebody from the LGBTQ community who can, who can do this and speak on it more eloquently than you. And I think PR people should, you know, definitely think about this more, and I'm sure they are. But I think people in these agencies need to start looking around and saying, well, I don't need to be everywhere as a CEO. I need to be carrying out the vision and trust that the people who work under me, who are in positions of management and and power and influence, mm-hmm. that they can fulfill that vision themselves while, you know, coming at it from a perspective that relates to them. Uh, we're still not seeing that. At the end of the day, brands are in charge of this. Like it took HP saying, all right, we require this of our agency partners to have this amount of talent. We uh, Verizon's been doing the same thing. Why aren't holding companies holding themselves accountable? Why does it have to take you know, a thought piece from... paying them from, to do it or uh, taking money away from them for not doing it. There's a whole group of like 450 marketing exec of 450 CEOs committed to diversity and inclusion and all of the top CEOs from Omnicom, IPG, WPP, you name it. They're on that 
they're in that group. They're in that collective. And, like, I haven't seen any progress. And that A&A report, like, as much as it's affirming, like, it's also so disappointing to me. The fact that this is something that you all speak about on your podcast, that I am very vocal mm-hmm. about on social media, and when I talk to college kids, and when I talk to high school kids. You're telling high school kids? There are high school kids. You're trying to discourage them already? They're nah. just babies. <laughs> nah, I got to I, I put them on game. I got to put them on game. Like, it's a responsibility, like, because they're going to get into this industry. Do we want We don't them want to be them un- to be blind. No. Right. Like, You're I don't right. want them to be blind, especially with the potential that they're going to have coming out of high school, then college, and, you know, with an industry that's hopefully supposed to be better, you know, hopefully supposed to be a little bit more enlightened, a little bit more inclusive. And, you know, when a report like that comes out, it's like, when is when are we going to get to that it's point? the same report from 10 years ago and the same report from 10 years before that. It's the diversity theater shuffle, everyone. Yeah, the uh, Kamiko used a, a phrase when we were talking about the surface level diversity, yes. you know, just like, and and I kind of wanted to end on on a discussion of Black History Month and, and to be, you know, self-aware to the, to the point of Kai's podcast. You know, I love uncomfortable conversations. Like I, on a personal level, I try to have as many as I can because, yeah, otherwise it is easy to just live comfortably and be like, I did my part. I tweeted something nice about diversity. But the, you know, I feel like, you know, Bennett, you've you've tweeted about this too, that there is this certain like, let's all take a moment in this industry uh, to celebrate, you know, black folk in, in advertising and then let's move on. And let's, you know, and we, we to, to be fair, we have the same kind of half joke, half not even very real discussion every year around International Women's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today's the one day we care about women as an industry, and then like, and then there's always the dudes who are like, "Where's International Men's Day?" Oh, and you it's mean? Like, oh, you mean the other 364 <laughs> days, sir? Yes, of course. So, so like, you know, being self-aware that here we are having this conversation, in part sparked by you know, largely because it is Black History Month, and we do want to talk about that. But how do we? You know, it sounds cheesy to say, how do we keep this conversation going? But, but really, like, from what you have seen, both of you in the, average, in, in the agency world, the marketing world, how they're addressing uh, and the trade groups and, and you know, diversity advocacy organizations, like, how can we keep this going and not just make this a conversation we have once a year in, in February? Well, I have this conversation all the time because this is just my life. And I think, um, again, stepping away from from the theater, from the pomp and the circumstance, um, just because you threw two Black History Month event, Black History Month events, and showed up at one that wasn't uh, of the company you work for, does not necessarily make you an ally. And recognize that the whole reason we have Black History Month and the whole reason we had Black History Week is because uh, Black history in general, it, whether it be within the industry or in just general uh, international history, black people are erased from our understanding of culture, even though there is a lot, there are clear and, and, and specific instances that we can count where black culture has become mainstream. And I think, um, you know, when we just speak about black people and black history and black life as a segment and not a part of the fold and the patchwork of what we do for a living, um, that's that's why it only comes up once a month. Like, I work in this business, with the exception for the last five months, I work in this business every day. 
if you know me or somebody that looks like me, you see them every day. If you have ever listened to a hip-hop, an R&B, uh, a blues, a jazz song, you've experienced black history every day. So it's not about a month. It's about recognizing the history of, of where pieces of your culture come from. And I think that's how you keep the conversation going and advocating for people for, for, for your, I mean, it's Black History Month, advocating for your black coworkers and your black friends and your black mentees and the people that you don't mentor and you don't know, but you know that they're dope and that they're skillful and that they deserve not just a space at the table, but an opportunity to be heard while they are at the table and understood. I think that's how we keep things going. That's how we push the conversation forward. There was this fairly underrated Tiana Taylor album last year called Keep That Same Energy. It and was underrated. She's good. Right. I don't think it's hard to keep a conversation going throughout a year. It may not have to be Black History Month to celebrate black people. Same way for Asian American and Pacific Islanders. Same way for women. Like, it's not that hard. Spotify spent a whole year celebrating black history. There's strong black lead on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The structure, like, you know, to our point about pyramid structures you know, there are companies that are fucking up the entire pyramid structure and saying, you know what, like, we are going to have a platform for black voices that can be just as powerful as our general Netflix voice. And that's strong black lead. Mm -hmm. You know, they're giving that platform a whole podcast. They give them. They like, have money for it. They, they are investing they have money for in it. it. But you know who else has money? The marketing and advertising industry. Baby. Right? Come <laughs> like, on and tell them. Like, we have money. We are invest. Like, they're invested enough to bring these people in. Like, and then the energy dies. Like, keep that same energy marketing industry. Like, it doesn't end once the talent gets into the door, sitting, you know, in these rooms on their New Day orientations. Mm -hmm. Like, it goes through their first 90 days, their first year, when mm -hmm. they ask for reviews and look into opportunities to progress. It goes for executives who probably do care about the talent, maybe, and want to, you know, want to see more people like that. And for them to, you know, sit in front of those people and say, you know, how do we do this? Like, how can we get better? It sh shouldn't necessarily fall on our shoulders the entire time. But there, I, I tweeted about it yesterday. Like, there needs to be more give from the industry in regards to us and our issues than there is taking of our culture, taking of our identities. And, Come and on, shelling, the good parts. And shelling that out in the content that we see today. Mm -hmm. You know, advertising, like, I remember a few years ago how Can was talking about, you know, maybe we've reached a wall in terms of creativity. Maybe maybe we've run out. And it was it was all white guys. And, like, I keep replaying that in my mind. I'm Who else like, are we stealing ideas from today? I'm like, yo, like, you know, to phrase Cindy Gallup, like, diversity raises the fucking bar. There's so much more that we can do. Fenty Beauty's doing it. Like, look at all, like, look at all the great black brands that are making better marketing work than some general marketing agencies and sometimes mm -hmm. some multicultural Agami. agencies as well. So, like... Like, we really need to pick the brains of the people behind Fashion Nova, honestly. Listen, right. Linda, right. oh my God, they are out here killing your game, 
my game. Listen, you know who's not going to have a really racist hoodie? Fashion Nova. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't thank you all enough for making time for us. Uh, ben, it, I want to make you say your Twitter feed out loud. Sure. Where uh, can they find you on Twitter, Ben? Uh, they can find me at The Acecapade. So T-H-E-A-C-E-C-A-P-A-D-E. All right. And Kai, uh, remind us of where we can find your podcast. Yep. You can find my uh, podcast with my co-hosts, Simeon and Karina, Mixed Company Podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. You can follow us at Ask Mixed Company on all of the social media platforms. And you can follow me personally at My Life of Kai uh, on all the social media platforms as well. Kamiko, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Always happy to be here. All right. Thanks so much. I'm David Griner for Ad Week, and we will be back next week. <laughs>